0: So hello and welcome to the Lancet Digital Health podcast. I am Rupa Sarkar, the editor in chief of the journal. And today we're going to be talking about a new study published in the Lancet Digital Health that describes how artificial intelligence tools could predict a patient's race from just their medical images. These are images or scans that look beneath the skin. Um, and this finding in this paper was validated across data sets, modalities, and even image quality. So this could create an enormous risk for deployment of artificial intelligence in medical imaging. And today we're going to be talking more about that because I'm joined by the authors or some of the authors of the paper. Firstly, Judy Gichoya, Assistant Professor of Radiology and Imaging Sciences at Emory University in the US. Leo Selly, Associate Professor of Medicine at Harvard and Principal Scientist at MIT. And Lale Seya Kalantari an Associate Scientist at LTRI Mount Sinai Health Toronto. So thank you and welcome to the podcast. Um, Firstly, could you describe the background and context that led you to start this study, maybe a bit about the aims of the study, the problem that you tried to solve and and how you you met?
1: So thanks, uh, Rupa, for the invitation to be uh, on this podcast. And uh, I just want to say that we're very, very excited and thankful for Really, uh, team science, and I hope that we will get to talk about that because that was super important for this work. And I'd like to wow you and say how we are geniuses and came up with all these ideas on our own, but the truth (laughs) is it was an accident, you know, and we... Literally had, I reached out to Leo, we had participated in a data in a virtual datathon in Singapore. And I, you know, he had invited me because of those interest in radiology images. And during the data-thon, I realized that people kept the images very separate from the clinical, you know, the MIMIC EHR Work and so you know I was I told him uh, around that time also there was something else that was happening so this work is coming close to over eighteen months you know and uh, you know it was the death of George Floyd and so quite a lot of reactions were were happening which was to. You know, a lot of universities were hiring for DNI, a lot of conversation around around social injustices. And so yeah. also the journals had these special issues for you know health equity and you know coupled with COVID-19, you know, disparities in you know outcomes. And so it was sort of like the right environment, but Honestly, we were approached by the Journal of American College of Radiology. Uh, They had a special issue and we pitched this idea to look at a very, Our hypothesis was going to be very simple, that if we have more diverse data sets and this is what we should be working on right now, we're going to fix the disparities. And so I searched online, I found Lale's work and, you know, they had started doing the work with exclusion and, you know, I wrote to her and her team and we started replicating the experiments on the Emory dataset, but it turns out that the biases, the patterns persisted. So the amount, the amplitude went down, but the patterns persisted. So that's when we, we landed on this uh, finding that um, the models were learning something that was correlated to the race signal and started this work. That
0: was an amazing um Collision of people, you know, starting at a dataathon and then finding Lale on online and finding her her previous work. It's sort of what dreams are made of in science.
2: Yeah, I think um, that was a very great experience regarding that. Like such that, like we have a very good multidisciplinary team. Like half of us were, half of the member were radiologists. Half of us were like with background in computer science. So. I did uh, maybe my first work in the area of fairness, like which was showing that AI diagnostic tools in chest x-ray domain um, have disparity across different uh, disease labels. And they not correctly diagnose disease at same rate for different patients at different races, at different ages, different sexes, and also different social economic status, where we were using insurance type because patient medicaid insurance has are often from lower social economic status we were using that as a proxy for social economic status so in that work like we find that these disparities are existing and the models are behaving against some uh, racial and ethnicities it was consistent also across like uh, different data and so on but back then like we didn't have any radiologists in our team and like we with a like background in computer science, we just document what we have had so far and like reported our results. Uh, one thing that I found very, very, very good in the team that we made with Judy Leo and like other members of the team was that like it was a multidisciplinary team. Like when we come across to this situation, that AI model can detect the race of the patient by just looking at their medical images. I could say that, we, as a person with computer science background, I didn't know that how valuable is that and how like important it could be. But because we have like people like Judy, like Leo, like other uh, uh, like scientists that we had like with uh, radiology background or with medical uh, like kind of uh, background, they were saying, "Okay, we are not seeing a patient. Like we when we are reviewing these images, we don't know their race. How could be unfair?" to a patient that we even haven't seen that patient. and That was maybe a motivation, initial motivation, to see if AI model can detect the race of the patient. Then we started our analysis and we realized that with a very high performance across very different medical imaging modalities, AI model can detect the race of the patient by just looking at medical images. And. The fact that, like, they were in our team, they they knew that, like, it's not something possible by radiologists to be done, which was uh, very surprising. And then kind of study, have done more studies to see why this is happening. And then you can see our paper, like, uh, the results came out out of it.
0: And so speaking of the results, can you give us some of the data, just briefly recap the highlights? I know we've mentioned the main finding that AI could predict race. What was the data that you found? And can you give us a quick summary?
1: There are three things that we sort of narrowed down on. One is, was this a mistake? And it may be honestly, you know, like a computer thing, honestly. And so finding out, like, is this something that is reproducible? The, the fact is this is what you want again uh, as the dream of external validation that i can send you my model and it just performs well without fine tuning even if that's not included in all the results so we had data sets from stanford mimic and emory but uh, this work has been subsequently validated because the code is free online and people have taken the work they have been able to replicate the findings internally on their own data set. So we have quite an extensive team from Arizona State and also Indiana University and Chicago who were able to still find the same findings. And so that was one. uh, So we have very, very good performance AUC values. Most of them around chest X-rays are above 0.94. We also see the same performance, you know, high performance, maybe not in the you know, 94 to 95, but in the 89 to 91 on mammograms and, uh, and, you know, musculoskeletal imaging. Then the second theme of our findings is what could be the proxy? And this, this really generated a lot of discussion over many weeks, right? Is it saying, I remember I was talking about, for example, maybe it's looking that all the Black patients come in, they never come in with a normal X-ray, you know, so it's overfitting on something like that. So then in those cases, we will try and, you know, just look at what's the performance on just normal X-rays. You know, do we see a difference, right? Okay, then, you know, uh, the BMI, which just sort of is the body composition. We know that there is a difference or something that's already been documented before, breast density, or bone density, and so we try to look for these proxies because we do know that AI has can rely on confounders, and this has been well documented. That uh, to see if any of those things were the cause, and it turned out, unfortunately, most of them had very weak signals. I will thank uh, the reviewers for suggesting to not even just look at single variables, but also multi variables, mm-hmm. and we still don't find an explanation of why we have very good performance so you'd find the AUC values there to be around 0.6 you know compared to the zero point nine fours we were getting and the third thing is to explore the why and honestly if I was to summarize the big things is that there is something that the models are looking at to tell the race but the most and the second thing is that we humans as as, as radiologists cannot tell what it is so these are the experiments for figuring out like why why is the model um, catching these findings and the most notable are the ones where we apply the low and high pass filters and also change the resolution and these are barely perceptible I mean it's just a gray image you know and they're barely perceptible as as medical images, even in the first place. And yet the models still have sustained performance, you know, in the 0.8. And so we did that. We started segmenting the parts of the body, for example, looking at lungs only, or, you know, just the non-lung segments of the chest and looking at, you know, just sort of like looking at the images themselves and trying to process. I think most people think that, when you say that there is this finding, it means that it's bad. It's, it I can, and we see quite a lot of work that's being done on how, how images are being used to develop classification systems that mitigate disparities, but we do need to understand to understand this phenomenon and quantify it in a way that makes us understand, it. let's say, for example, if I'm using a breast cancer model that relies on imaging, and I say it mitigates the biases for Black patients, that it's... It's true if race contributes to that prediction, but if it's relying on a confounder, then when I take it back home in Africa, it's never going to work for my parents. You know, So with the implications, I think, are still out there to be done. Unfortunately, all these months later, we've still kept doing the work. Uh, we still don't know why. That's really interesting, Judy. Le- Leo, did you have anything to
3: add? Yes, no, I just wanted to explain explicitly why this research is important, because in previous presentations, there will, be, there will be questions from the audience like, this is a stupid algorithm. Why would you train an algorithm to predict the race? Why can't you just look at the patient so that you will know the race? Yeah, And I think that we're doing a poor job of uh, relaying the message of our project. And the main rationale why we went into this project in the first place is that most machine learning groups, they would not want to include the race as a feature because they're concerned that that might factor in, in the prediction or classification task. So they feel confident when they remove the race as one of the covariates that our algorithm cannot be biased because the computer does not know what race, ethnicity this patient belonged to. And of course, that turned out to be not true. They will learn the race, ethnicity, even if you deliberately remove such a sensitive attribute during the training and validation. And this is why this research is important. We try to remove uh, features that we don't want the computer to use for a certain classification or prediction. But it turns out that we're not doing a good job because computers are smarter than the data scientists. They can figure this out on on their own. And so this becomes a conundrum for us uh, who are trying to promote the use of algorithms in decision-making, because if computers can learn whether you're Black or white or whether you're LGBTQ or whether you have behavioral problems on their own, that it is not far-fetched to think that computers would use those features in making decisions uh, with regard to prediction or classification because we are training the computers using human data. And we know that the electronic health records that are being employed to build these models are rife with subjective decisions. And this is a nightmare for us because in the end, we don't want computers to pick up our bad behaviors. We only want to teach the computer the objective decisions that we made. And this is going to be impossible now if a lot of these attributes can be learned by the computer in the process of uh, performing a separate task. Yeah.
0: And that was really interesting. So, Lale, as a computer scientist yourself, do you agree with what Leo has said? Are, are computers more intelligent than data scientists. I absolutely agree with that.
2: And what we find was that like AI model kind of not only can detect the race of the patient, which was what we have shown in this paper, but also behave some against some races, for example, black or Hispanic patients, which was the results that, for example, we have shown in a paper just published in Nature Medicine. So we cannot kind of relate directly we cannot say exactly that they are using race to behave against uh, some racial ethnicities so this connection is not something that's completely proven but at the same time that's interesting that like these two things happen kind of at the same time like and we are seeing like this behavior so i totally agree so we have like when I talk to people, like I see there are some kind of misunderstanding about biases, and one of the common misunderstanding about biases is that we don't have, for example, a racial bias uh, because we are not including race information in the data sets, and even like in some co- countries or some uh, people, they don't gather even race information just to be fair. And I think this work is showing that if you're just not gathering race information and you're not including it in your data set, it doesn't make you fair. So I think that's a very important message to send out.
0: Thank you, Lala. I want to get into the nitty gritty. You've already mentioned that you couldn't attribute a proxy for this AI. um, So you don't know what it's detecting in order to determine the race of a patient.
1: What are the steps forward to trying to understand how it identifies race? So um, I think one is, again, going back to Leo's comments about messaging, right? There's a big disconnect about, and and we all agree that there's no one universal fairness definition, right? Or especially in medical imaging, but we we really struggled to explain this bridge between the computer scientists and the physicians why this matters. The physicians on the group got it immediately. Some of our students were like, oh. Why is this a big deal, you know? And the reason is that most people want the problem narrowed down to a mathematical problem that they can solve. So one, like, show me this one case and I will work on it and I'll fix it and that's going to be done. And so I don't think that simplified view of approaching fairness and bias, uh, evaluation and, you know, fixing is going to be successful. So the second thing is that Oh, the the side effects of this work is that we've had quite a lot of, you know, side outputs from the work. So, for example, before this work was done, and if you look at Lale's work uh, on exclusion, this was only done on Mimic because Mimic was the only data set that had race labels, you know, and... The NIH never has race labels, most of the new data sets did not. And working, we had a, a big representation from Stanford and we were able to release quite a lot of labels from the, for the existing data sets into the public, which I think is a start because even if you want to do this type of work, we know that there's quite a limited option of what data sets you can use unless you're in an academic institution that has the infrastructure for you to extract these data sets. And so I think that for algorithms that are already in market, we should at least by minimum report either on your training characteristic, population characteristics, or on your test validation characteristics of the patients. And then the second thing is that we need more efforts. Uh, At least we're seeing in in the U.S. uh, quite some efforts to support researchers to work on data sets. I don't know how Leo has worked on data sets for all these years when it wasn't a hot thing and managed to do it. And and this is because unless we have good quality data sets, we are not going to move the mark any forward. And then the third thing is that we still need to develop more explanatory, you know, and audit uh, model auditing techniques. And so there's a big role for the computer scientists uh, to come together and to bring their expertise in terms of explorations for that type of work. So for us specifically, we are working on one area that I think was very controversial also in the review uh, and even some of the you know, some of the reactions to the paper is this uh, correlation with disease. And, and so we should expect to see some work, again, trying to figure out what's the impact of this and good and bad. So we know that there are two models already in production that we have validated, not in production, but out there that we are validating. One is the Mirai model uh, developed by MGH, Uh, Mass General Hospital, and this is a model that predicts five-year risk of breast cancer by just looking at the mammogram itself. And if you look at uh, the performance of that model, it actually narrows the disparities for african americans the second one is the work by ziad and emma which has the algorithmic prediction score on knee osteoarthritis and if you look at that model also it works better than the kelgan lawrence score and especially even i know they don't write it in the paper but subsequent talks they say we did not use race we don't see race but we have rerun some of that work and we know that the model performs very well to detect race on those on, on those radiographs. And so trying to also not just look at it as a bad thing, but to quantify what's the contribution uh, of this. The last thing is then we are thinking also this, well, there was quite a lot of debate earlier on, uh, especially after Lauren wrote her, her blog, which is that maybe this is the final proof that we need that this race is you know, biological, you know, genomic based. We do not have a genomics expert on our team, but we do not want to go down that way because when we think about bias, it's really how people see us or how we see ourselves and the system sees us that amplifies the unintended consequences that happen to us. And so we, for the purposes of our work, we still continue to limit ourselves for the definition of this to be the legal and social perception of how we see ourselves and how others see us. But there's quite a lot of work to be done here. We are. We know that we were missing quite some labels. We also understand the complexity of how people are coded in the electronic medical record system. So we are exploring that. And, um, for example, if you're in Atlanta and you come from Turkey, you're probably going to be classified as you know, white, just depending on how you look, you know, we don't, and most of um, uh, uh, those patients would not consider themselves white, you know? And so we see quite a lot of opportunity to understand how people are captured, what's our ground truth, how it changes, and subsequently, how it impacts whether to improve or uh, make our outcomes worse.
3: So I'm going to, answer that question of how do we move forward by saying that we should stop what we're doing. Everyone is in a rush to bring the algorithms to the bedside, to the point of care, to the health policy people, but it is not ready for prime time. We need to make sure that those algorithms are not making decisions based on the wrong features. And that's not so easy to do. Every big tech, every health ministry has some initiative to push data science to the forefront. But it is really crucial, as Judy had said, that uh, we understand how those decisions are being made by the computers. I don't really need to understand everything. People think that, oh, if we don't understand how exactly this computer is making a decision, then we cannot use it. The only important thing that I need to be reassured is that it wasn't using a sensitive attribute that should not have been used to make a classification or prediction. And if that can be guaranteed, I don't need to understand the rest of the algorithm. Uh, It is not true that in medicine, we only employ innovations and technology that we fully understand. Half of the medications out there that we are prescribing to our patients, we do not have a clue of their mechanism of action. And yet we use them because we know that they are safe and because they work. So for algorithms, it is very important to know that they are safe. And that means it will not widen the disparities that we are seeing now. And the only way that that could happen is that it, as I said, learns the bad behavior of the clinicians and bake them into the algorithm that is going to be implemented. If that's the case, then we are doomed. Every disparity, every inequity that we see now is forever ingrained in what we do and will be scaled in in terms of its impact.
0: How frightening Leia. thank you for that. Um, You've sort of superseded my final question, which was going to be, um, what guidance can you provide to help clinical practice and AI? Do you have anything else to add to that other than stop and audit and think? We
2: are not just satisfied with algorithms with high performance. We want to make sure that those algorithms are also fair and just showing that they are not fair like in our papers it's not enough we need some regulatory we need some some people that impose a uh, kind of uh, fairness and they ask the people they ask the, the developer to have that in their pipeline and show that if their algorithms are fair or not also what it means to be fair for different kind of applications. So these are the the things that we need to still define them. Like, an AI algorithms, if it wants to be used in clinic beside a doctor, for example, may have different definition of fairness compared to an AI algorithms which needs to be used in triage. And just in that sense, we don't really need to know like what's the disease exactly, what's the disease of the patient exactly. We want to make sure that we are not Underdiagnose diagnose any patient, like in, 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 in triage and like move them like uh, further um, from getting access to treatment. So, I mean, depends on application where you are using your algorithms, how you want to use it, like the definition of the fairness can be different. And these are the things that like policymakers need to kind of think about that and like regularize them and uh, ask the system, ask the developers, because these are not the things that developers can kind of think about that and like put that in the system and it's really needs a close collaboration between doctors, developers, and also the regulatory.
1: I think one of the things that we didn't get a chance to talk about is uh, this concept of village mentoring and hive learning that was very important to doing this work. And if you're a fairness practitioner out there working on your own I can guarantee unless you're a genius, you're not going to make a move and you're not going to make an impact, honestly, on this because you need other people, you need uh, from this project. And and this concept is that instead of competition, you promote collaboration. You're always looking internally and externally to look at what skills you're missing. And it's inspired sort of by the way the MIT team organizes the data hackathons and and, and really sort of this research network. And so uh, one of the big takeaways is that even for our team, that is that we need a lot of social scientists it, because they bring very different perspectives that we as physicians or, you know, computer scientists will not have, especially as we explore this type of topics. And then the second thing is when you promote Uh, collaboration instead of competition, you can get a lot of feedback. So everyone on this group Uh, feels very empowered. Even our most sort of junior in terms of rank students will say, oh, you know, I don't think, you know, this was a lot of debates. We've been meeting uh, twice a month since this work started with the group. And then people will feel that they can come in and criticize other people, other people's work or come up with new ideas. And that makes it better. For us in medicine, you know, we traditionally do not uh, put out preprints. In fact, I know that uh, this work was criticized by some of the medical editors. That why is it out there without peer review? But I, I have to applaud your team for you know guiding us through the peer review process. Because I, as someone who reviews papers, this would not be something easy to review and especially when you cannot sometimes replicate the experiment or because you may not have the time or the data and uh, also the public really the you know the the teams that went back and criticized our work and gave us feedback because that's what made the work much better we haven't updated the preprint but the final paper is just so much better and so much different uh, because of this process so i would say working with other people, building these uh, research teams that can bring diverse perspectives, and then also investing in the pipeline of providing the data sets. You, because you need ideas, you need a clinical domain expertise, you need the technical domain expertise, you need dom- domain expertise from social scientists and other people. For example, I found myself talking to forensic pathologists who rely on X-ray imaging to try and identify Patients who may not, you know, may have missing body parts. And so, we, you know, how we translate some of these ideas to figure out why the models can be working like this. And so I think this was one of probably the best thing to be sort of like a program manager for, for, for this group, for this work.
3: I'm just going to add one more key message to that. And this is what we make sure the our computer science students would do before they start any modeling because they get excited. They do their exploratory data analysis. What does the data show? We we tell them that they need to do their due diligence. How was the data put together? Who were excluded? Who did not make it to the data set? Because if there's some sampling selection, there will be spurious associations that can be discovered. And those spurious associations will make it into your algorithm. So we keep telling them that even before you create your table one, even before you build your histograms, do your due diligence, find out where disparities exist in that particular domain that you are trying to build an algorithm for, find out and understand what are the drivers of those disparities. Because if you do not know this, you will not be able to anticipate what are the unintended consequences of your algorithm? Uh, it's not just a matter of predicting something for the sake of prediction. What we would like is to really augment our ability to make decisions that are objective, that are fair. And you cannot do that if you do not understand the domain. And I'm just going to echo again the suggestion of Judy. You need to bring in the social scientists into your team. There has to be a sociologist, a behavioral psychologist, an anthropologist. Who are doing the sanity checks with you, who are also providing input on the design of the study and how to evaluate those models?
0: Thank you so much, Leo, Judy, Lala. It has been so incredible hearing you speak about the project, but also explain how this this goes beyond just race. it's you know it's about Artificial Intelligence and the Use of Medicine and How to Ensure It's Fair for All. So I'm really excited about the paper coming out soon. Um, In our next issue, the title is Reading Race, Artificial Intelligence Recognizes Patients' Racial Identity in Medical Images. So to our readers, please go out and and check it out. It's open access. There's no excuse. So thank you for listening.